You are listening to Committed, an ongoing conversation about marriage, intimacy, relationships, and sex. Something that comes up that I will make videos on for my followers is infidelity because I obviously have clients that come to me who have dealt with infidelity or are still struggling with infidelity, whether it's past and they feel like, oh, I'm staying with this person, but I can't get over it, or this has happened and now what are we supposed to do? There's lots of controversy online. Um, Lots and lots of people say in my comments, if you cheat on me, we're absolutely done. Mm. And it, it is brutal. And I think that it's a definitely a fair boundary to have. You can. You can have that boundary. I also think that people don't go into relationships and even talk about this stuff. They just go through their phase of limerence and honeymoon and they say, oh, that would never happen to me. And then it happens and you're left with what should I do? And I think that a lot of the people, this is my projection, so I don't know this to be true, but I just have a projection about it, that a lot of the people that are commenting maybe have not dealt with infidelity before and they're just assuming what they would do. But life is very complex. And I've said this so many times before, people have children, they own homes together, they have long-standing relationships together it is so not easy to just walk away and like wipe your hands clean of that relationship. And when someone cheats, it's not always that person's full responsibility for what happened to lead up to that, right? So we do have ownership over our actions that we decide to take and and we need to take responsibility for those But it's not the full story. People in happy relationships, yeah, sometimes they do cheat. There are people out there that are pathological liars, clearly. But that's not the majority of people. And infidelity happens so frequently in relationships that it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. And everyone individually has to decide how they want to move forward with it. And then I also want to note, because I want to hear your thoughts on it, because I hear I see you smiling. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to hear your thoughts on it. Um, you know, everyone's going to make a different choice whether they want to repair or not. And for those who choose to repair and for those who um, have a partner who wants to own up to the action that they took, the cheating, the infidelity you can have immensely gratifying relationships that come out of that happening in your marriage and your relationship based on the infidelity. Mm -hmm. Like you can come out stronger and better because of it and more connected because maybe for the first time ever, you're being completely honest with each other and, or completely honest with yourself. So Maybe that's a good place to start today. Oh, I love this subject. Like I'm just giddy thinking about it. Like I'm almost pro infidelity, I guess. Um, oh, wow. I mean, We're going to see a lot of listeners drop right after you. Said- 
I'm taking the extreme angle here. Like, yeah. uh, no, I mean, I used to be exactly like your core audience. I thought the idea of infidelity is the worst thing in the world. It was never going to happen to me. And I was terrified of it happening all of the time. I don't know if it ever did happen to me. Um, it might have. I never knew about it. But until I was about 35 years old, I thought that infidelity was like it literally a sin. I mean, it is according to the Bible, but like I thought that infidelity was the worst thing in the world. End of a relationship, very extreme. You don't love me anymore. This isn't going to work. And over the past seven years, I've completely changed my stance on it. I highly recommend everyone read Sex at Dawn. Uh, it's just such a great book about non-monogamy. It, it doesn't condone infidelity, but at least it it allows people to understand where infidelity, uh, what infidelity really means at a biological level. But there's, you know, there's two things I'm thinking here. One is the biological infidelity, which is like, we are sexual animals. And for some reason, whatever it is, one of these animals is in a committed relationship with someone else and then has sex with someone else who's not in that relationship. Okay. That's just two animals having sex, not a big deal. But from a human social level uh, in this situation, the first person who is committing the infidelity is violating the social agreement, the social contract that he or she has established with his partner. Presumably, we're talking about committed monogamous relationships. And if one person in that relationship sleeps with someone else outside of that relationship, that would be infidelity, right? That's like the definition of it. But you have to assume that that is part of their social contract. I personally assume that no woman I'm ever sleeping with nowadays is monogamous with me unless we explicitly clarify that. So like the subject of infidelity is, is a difficult one, but I think primarily, I ultimately believe this boils down to someone's belief system. Like if you believe that if you're in a committed relationship, that if someone breaks it, like it's over, it's like it's game over. But I will, I will happily admit I've slept with many married women, sometimes open marriages. Sometimes, honestly, I didn't know that they were married at all. Like they don't advertise it. How was I supposed to know if we're at a bar somewhere and we go home together and then the next day I found out she has a husband? I have no idea, but I also have no morality around this subject. I don't think that that was a bad thing. I don't think either of us did a bad thing. We were two consenting adults and we had a great time. And I have actually interviewed these uh, these women who were, who were committing uh, adultery. We were committing adultery together and I would interview them the next day and say like, why did you do this? Like, why did you risk your marriage over this guy, me, that you met last night? And they would always give similar answers in my sense for the, for the, the ones who were actually like cheating on their husbands. The open marriage ones, those don't apply because that was like, that's basically part of their social agreement, their relationship agreement. Um, but the ones who were actually cheating on their husbands they would tell me that often um, either he's not around, um, we haven't had sex in years, he doesn't care about my sexual needs, um, we're disconnected, um, I don't feel 
that we're even in love anymore. We're roommates or we're just raising kids together at this point. Like the romance is gone. So literally in every single one of those situations, the women were dissatisfied with the quality of relationship that they were in. And I don't say, I don't say that with like the, like implying that there's something wrong with the men. I think in these cases, there might be something wrong with the relationship like that's probably what's actually wrong. It's not that there's something wrong with the dude necessarily or that there's something wrong with the woman, but I think their relationships, I mean, you know, people get married and they're together for 20 years and they stop having sex after like 12 years or 10 years and they're raising kids, they're roommates, they're doing the thing. Like you were saying earlier, they have a life together. They're not just going to like leave and end that relationship on a whim because one of them committed committed adultery, they still go back to their partners and that's the life that they live, but they're still human. I think um, these are women I'm talking about, of course, because I'm a male. Um, these women want to feel alive. They want to feel desired. They want to have a brief experience of ecstasy. And I just happen to be at the right place at the right time to experience this. But, you know, ultimately, um, I don't feel, I actually feel honored that they chose me to like experience this. And to be very clear, I was not the first in every one of these situations and I am probably not the last. That's also something to, I, I'd like to remind myself of, but I find it to be a very interesting subject because again, in every single interview I've done with these women, they were dissatisfied with the status of their relationship. I'm going to attack. I'm going back on the attack. Do it. Because I want to make me. it clear. Our audience is probably different than your approach. And I will I'll bet say. you a, I'll bet you a Buffalo nickel that 60%, even 70% of your female viewers have probably committed infidelity, even if they haven't told anyone else. I think it's pretty high number. Okay, but let's be clear, that's your projection. Yeah, but I also find women are much better at hiding their infidelity. Like if you've ever hung out with a bunch of girls drinking wine, like if you just go to any bar on a Friday, a nice warm day or something, you can overhear these conversations and they'll say like, oh my God, like I was in Vegas and, you know, I was really drunk and I just hooked up with this guy and, you know, I didn't tell my boyfriend. Like it, it doesn't count. Like they will say things like what that to hide it. What kind of people are you hanging out with? Oh my goodness. <laughs> so city I want to actually- City living. <laughs> yes. And that's, and that's important because if people have listened to the introductory episode of our podcast, which I highly suggest- to kind of understand the different viewpoints and angles we're coming at it with. I think the approach that it seems to me that you have with infidelity is, is definitely a different approach than I do. While I absolutely believe to be true that you have many valid points on this, I also want to take it a little more seriously and infuse some like practical tips. So while I did not take notes while you were talking, and I probably should have because I had many things that I wanted to kind of respond to, mm. the first one is 
a large majority of the time infidelity happens because people want to experience a different version of themselves than they get to experience in their current relationship. Yes. And when we're labeling relationships as well, I want to say a couple things. Monogamy is assumed by a large majority of the population, I would think, when you get into a relationship, unless there is something dissatisfying about the relationship, you get sex from one another, and that is what you do. I think it is assumed. I don't think that that's the right approach. I think that every relationship should be absolutely negotiated when you get together and decided upon what do you want? What are you thinking? Is this a hard boundary for you? Could it change over time if we have different thoughts? What if we get into a really secure relationship with one another and we feel like exploring? Can we kind of renegotiate at that point? But I do think that monogamy is the default. That's what I see at least. And different parts of the country do different things. Different parts of the world do different things. Obviously, I'm aware of sex at dawn and kind of the origins. But then there's also different labels for relationship structures that I think are important to note. So there's non-monogamy, there's polyamory. Within polyamory, there's solo poly, which is where you don't identify as having a primary relationship with any one person, but you are dating multiple people at once and no one person is the higher caliber person for you, or maybe caliber is not the right word, but higher of importance maybe, um, primary. Um, Then there's also swinging. And so these labels, while labels are not always important, I think it is important to kind of understand the lens that you're coming with because when you have a relationship with someone that is primary and then that person is going out and having sexual relations with other people, that is different than if you identify, which I believe that you do, as more of a solo person who can have multiple relationships. Different emotions come up when you do that, right? If you have a primary person and then that person goes out and you've negotiated a non-monogamous relationship, you may feel differently than if you are typically a solo person, you feel more secure in the solo space. Mm. But also, and I probably should have said this right from the get-go, is that infidelity and non-monogamy do not go hand in hand all of the time. Yes, sex at dawn goes into it, but infidelity is a violation of a contract that you have that may be an unspoken contract. And I think it is for many of us, but people don't just cheat on other people because we're meant to be non-monogamous. People, and you alluded to this before, people, it can be for some people, most of the people in my practice that I encounter, there's relational issues that are going on and they don't feel the they don't feel like their authentic selves in their relationship and this person who they cheat with allows them mm. to feel more alive. Yes. However, it's exactly it's exactly what I was saying. Yep. Yes, yes. And the person that they're cheating with though also is a dream world. It is not real life, right? So if you are at home, if I am at home with children and a husband, for example, and I'm not feeling seen and loved and sexy and desired in my relationship, yes, I could have some fantasy relationship with somebody else outside, but I'm not doing life with them. I'm not raising kids. I'm not wiping butts. 
I'm not picking my partner up off the ground because they are wheelchair bound and they try to get on the toilet by themselves and they can't. You know, I'm not wiping up puke after their chemo. I'm not. People go through real situations, real tragedies in their lives where, you know, I'm not dragging my partner out of bed because his mom died and he can't bring himself to come out of this depression. And so, you know, we go through real hardships in our relationships that some people just decide that they're not happy and then they go out and find happiness somewhere else rather than doing the hard, hard, well-deserved work of healing and finding security in one another. So there's, you know, there's that part of it too. It's not just that people are meant to be non-monogamous. It's like, yeah, maybe, you know, there is, there really is no reason why we need to have ownership over another person's genitals. Like we don't need to have that negotiation in our, in our lives. It's definitely a social construct, but also there are reasons why we're monogamous, right? Um, STIs, you have less of a chance of spreading sexually transmitted infections to each other when you are just having sex with one person. Convenience. I really don't have the time to have multiple relationships outside of my relationship. I barely ever feel like I see my husband in the first place. So if I could get sex from him, I'd rather just get sex from him. Um, there are reasons to be monogamous. It can bring feelings of security. It can bring feelings of I'm the most important one. That can actually fulfill people's core desires, which we can talk about in another episode, to really be just desired by one person and feel really fulfilled in that capacity. That could really lend itself to helping someone fulfill their own core erotic theme. What if this is me being devil's advocate and I love being devil's advocate, especially <laughs> on this subject. Mm, mm. You know, I like to think of infidelity. I mean, it's just such a bad word. It's just like, God, there's so much religion and like law associated with the word infidelity, such a strong negative connotation, probably denotation with the word itself. But like, I think there's, there is a delusion to believe that you can be everything for your partner, everything. And so I think there is a narrative that's been perpetuated by romance novels, Disney, and popular culture and religion for hundreds of years, if not thousands, that say that when you get married, when you're with that one person for the rest of your life, they are going to be your best friend. They're going to be the best sex. They're going to be the co-parents of your children. They're going to be with you to the end of, of times. They're also going to be your, your therapist. They're going to be your comedian. They're going to be everything. And I think it's delusional to think you're going to find that in one person. But when it comes to straight up sexual infidelity, not just emotional infidelity, but sexual infidelity, I mean, people have different desires. What if my girlfriend, I'm white. What if she really just wants a nice big black cock like once a year? I cannot give her a black cock. I don't have one. I'm never going to have one. Like maybe that's what she craves. And it's just once a year. Like I'd be fine with that. I mean, I would probably want to meet the guy first, but like if that's something that I physically can't give her, that's her primary sexual desire. Like she fantasizes about this when she's home alone at night. Like I think it's okay if you're being sexually positive to allow people to certainly entertain those ideas. Personally, I think it's fine to let them not only fantasize about them, 
but actually live them because I think to deny our own impulses is to deny the very thing that makes us human. And if that's what she wants, and let's say we're in a committed partnership, let's say we have kids together and we live in the same house, we could still live together and be in the same house and like go to do Christmas together and Halloween and have kids. Like we can do all of that and she can still go see her black guy once a year. Like it would not bother me because I think I am letting, I, I want her to enjoy her sexuality. I want her to enjoy her pleasure and her fantasies. And if I physically can't be part of that, then I want her to go out and get it where she can. But again, this is almost like there are two things here. One is like a sexual fantasy and an escape. And one is like a social a, a relationship contract and perhaps even a family that you've built together. And I personally think these two can coexist quite happily as long as the communication is strong. And ideally, there's been a little bit of change in the belief systems on both parties, because I totally agree with you. Like I grew up this way. I was raised Catholic, like monogamy is like the way to go. And fornication and adultery is literally a hell worthy trespass. And it took a lot of time for me to change those beliefs. And now I'm completely open to it. Yes, that is not infidelity though. What you're talking about is, I think you just want to talk about open relationships today. You're just itching. You're like, let's fuck infidelity. No. So I think that, you know, you can have, the reality is because you're going so rogue on this and I, love it. <laughs> I think for rogue. our listeners, I know you love it and I, and I support you in that, but there's a difference between an agreement that you have with your partner that, Hey, I'm not getting exactly everything that I want. But the, the, unfortunately part of that is that it's a lot more complicated than, Hey, you know what? I just want a big black cock. No, it's like, there's lots of like worthiness issues that we all deal with here. And it's not usually a simple conversation, right? You're also looking at it from a lens of solo poly. And I just keep coming back to that because I think that is ever more important. I think it's very, very different than living with a partner and potentially starting to feel like, you know, I'm not worthy because lots of us have childhood trauma that make us feel like we're not worthy and that render us just in this place of kind of continuing to come back to that. And it takes a lot of work. So I've personally experienced myself wanting certain things that then conflict with areas of my relationship when in my brain they shouldn't necessarily but shouldn't it's, you said shouldn't necessarily and I shouldn't even shouldn't it right because that's not my job or my responsibility to decide right but but what it is is me considering my relationship and caring for it. And so when you have two people who are trying to collaborate together, communication is very, very challenging for people. One of the number one complaints that people have in their relationships is communication. Of course. Open relationships are difficult, but that's not infidelity, right? That's someone wanting something else that, you know, if that's a totally different, we can talk more about. I totally agree. But I mean, I didn't, I did go on a little non-monogamy rant, but there's a method to my madness here because what I'm basically arguing is that if you do not, if you are not open and aware that your partner may have desires that are outside of your relationship, 
do not be surprised. Do not be surprised someday when you find out that they have, have cheated on you. And so again, I'm not condoning it, but I think the idea that someone can give everything possible is just a delusion. It does not actually exist in reality. Maybe it does, or people just suppress it, or they choose not to do it. It's just. But those are also two separate ideas. I think you know this deserves, and you know we're going to finish up here in a minute. But like, this deserves more conversation because those are two separate ideas. One is that I have a desire that I'm not communicating to my partner, or that I'm not aware of yet. And the other one is an action. And if we don't take responsibility for our actions in our life, what are we even doing? Like, how would we even build trust with a partner? So I can have a desire that I hold for the entirety of my life that I don't move forward with until it's an agreement between my partner and I. Lots of partners get into relationships and find out about themselves 10 years down the line that let's look at Bruce Jenner, but it's not Bruce anymore. It's what's the name? Uh, I don't know. Caitlin. Caitlin Jenner. Okay. So, you know, Bruce, Caitlin may not have known that that's what she needed until they were down the line, right? So, I mean, that's obviously sort of an extreme example and doesn't relate to infidelity or monogamy, but we don't know everything about ourselves. We have to allow our relationships to evolve and change over time because we grow and change and we figure out different things about ourselves that we may not have known before, but we can all take responsibility for our actions. That being said, as we finish up, we'll have to do a part two of this so that we can talk about infidelity and how your relationship does not have to crumble and end as a result of it happening in your relationship. So stay tuned for part two. Yes. This was fun. Talk to you later. (laughs) 